Well, I greet each one of you this morning in the blessed and worthy name of our Lord Jesus. It's a blessing to be here with you this morning. It's uh, something that we as a family have talked about it from time to time, or me and my wife especially. Uh, It's nice to get around to some of the other churches from time to time, but it seems we don't get it done much. uh, And this is one way that it has happened more for us than any other, I suppose. Uh, I'd be glad to sit here and listen to one of you uh, expound the Word of God, but um, I will, by God's grace, share what uh, He has laid on my heart with you this morning. I uh, would like to say this. uh, Some of you are strangers to me. But many of you I do somewhat know. Uh, One thing that uh, was a blessing just a few weeks ago to have some of you over there at our church, there at Living Hope, uh, in uh, in the evening to share together about medical sharing and just uh, to see the heart, our heart uh, of brothers helping brothers. I very much appreciated that heart uh, of... uh, we had the same mind uh, of what we're here for, what uh, what that uh, plan that we were talking about, what it was for. And I believe that is one way that God uh, desires for his children to work together is in sharing needs. Um, and when we can do that uh, in, a, in a wider body rather than just the local, sometimes there's blessings in that as well. <clears throat> Well, I appreciate uh, the uh, opening, appreciate what was shared with us already there. Not so much my, um, my message will not go so much along with that as already earlier. What happened in the Garden of Eden... And how there was deception. I'd like to speak today about deception. It's something that is a burden on my heart. Something that I believe that we do well to, as the scriptures say, take heed that we be not deceived. Take heed. And I don't say this because I think uh, Oasis needs this more than, than I or we need it at Living Hope. In fact, maybe you need it less. I don't know. But I do believe that it is something that is a need for us to recognize that we live in deceptive times. And if we don't recognize that, we will be deceived. And maybe even if we recognize that we are in deceptive times, we will see that we will be deceived from time to time. I'd like to just have a word of prayer before I begin here. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you again this morning and we look to you to guide, to lead us, to Speak to us, Father. Lord, we are here together again as your children. And Father, we desire that you would feed us. 
Lord, we desire fresh bread. Lord, we know that we are needy. And Lord, that's why we come to you. Father, I do pray that you would use me as your vessel today, that I may be a channel that you can use. Father, I pray for these, your people. I pray that you would minister to each one of their needs and help us, Lord, that we might see what the Spirit would say to the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am one that uh, occasionally likes to ask questions and get response. I don't know how you do that here or whether you get much response when you ask questions. I know it's different in different uh, churches. But I would like to ask you a question and you don't have to audibly say anything to answer this question. Maybe I would ask you to raise your hand. Have you ever been deceived? Okay. Is there anyone here that has never been deceived? Raise your hand. All right. I don't see any hands there. How many of you are deceived right now? Isn't that interesting? We have lots of hands. Everybody says they have been deceived. And yet nobody raises their hand to say they are deceived right now. I think we all know why that is. It's not because we are so arrogant to say that we couldn't be deceived right now. But if we were, if we knew we were deceived... We wouldn't be deceived, would we? Because we would change. We, we wouldn't be deceived if we knew it. That's part of what deception is. Is believing something that is true. That's what deception is. Is when we believe something that isn't true. <clears throat> I have said already, and I don't mean this... Um, degradingly, because I am one. But I have said already that I believe we as plain people or Anabaptists or whatever uh, name you want to put on our, our groups are some of the most gullible people I have ever seen. I, I don't mean that in a, uh, in a bad way uh, necessarily, because in some ways there's a reason why that's the case. I believe for the most part, our type of people are honest people. We are people that, that believe in honesty. We believe in, in living rightly. And so it's only natural, I suppose, that we would expect others to be that way. And so we accept what they say and what they tell us. And we shouldn't always. It's not always a good thing. I'd like to um, tell you a story, a true story. Back in 1955, in Indianapolis, Indiana, there was a church started. It was called the People's Temple. I think it was called the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ. Does anybody know anything about that church? 
Jim Jones involved with that one? Yes, he is. We've got one uh, person that, that picks the name up and goes with it. There was a, a man by the name of Jim Jones, some call him Jimmy Jones, who started that church. And they called it People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ. One of the things that you had back in that time, and you probably still have to some extent in, in this day, is uh, very segregated churches. Where if a black person came into uh, the, uh, the church, they wouldn't feel comfortable sitting on the same pew as the white people. They might come in, uh, rarely if they did, they might come in and they would sit on a different uh, pew because they just weren't welcome to be with the others. Well, Jim Jones seen, seen the wrong in that and seen how, how they were doing things wrongly and, and he preached a gospel of inclusiveness and, and love one for another and, and before long, this church grew by leaps and bounds. And they ended up moving out to California in the 70s. And I believe they, they grew to somewhere around 3,000 3, members. And then, of course, what we know most uh, uh, best about this group is they decided to move down to South America, to Guyana, South America. And there, in 1978, there was a delegation from the United States that came down to investigate because there were, there were some, uh, reports coming about what was going on and, and that it, it was a cult and that they were doing things that they shouldn't do and those kind of things. And so a congressman, Leo Ryan from, uh, California as well as a delegation, some other people went down there to investigate and see what was going on. Well, they were received. Although I think uh, maybe it had a bit of a cold shoulder to start with, but they they got in, and there were a few people that wanted to leave with them. And they agreed. the uh, The people there, the Jim Jones and the people from the People's Temple, agreed that they could leave. But before it was all said and done, uh, the congressman had been killed because as he went to his plane, there was a group with, that went out after him and, uh, and shot and killed several. Um, and so they knew that they were in trouble. Jim Jones knew that this would not go unanswered for them to have done a thing like this. And, and the, the thing that's kind of strange in some ways, at least to me, is that they got, a, got by with it as long as they did uh, of what all they were doing. He was a well-respected man in California, in fact, uh, in politics and was on the city council, I believe, and, and whatnot. He was a well-respected man, but he, according to reports, was uh, doing drugs and his mind had gotten to the place where he was very paranoid. And, and so that's, uh, that's what we have there in 1970, in November of 1978. When this had happened, well, he right away, they had already done some test runs of where they uh, let on that they were drinking this Kool-Aid um, to kill themselves. He had programmed these people to the place 
where they willingly drank what they thought was poison. Well, then he would, you know, then it ended up, it wouldn't be in, in the um, prior times when they had done that. But then, this time, he said, it's time. It's time for us to leave this world. And he, there's a recording of the last minutes of so many people, over 900 people's lives were taken. There they were, giving their children poison. That's why, I don't know, probably you've heard the term, they drank the Kool-Aid. That's where that term comes from. They, they drank the Kool-Aid themselves. They gave it to their children first and then drank it themselves. And you can hear it on, this, on the tape, on the recordings that they made. You can hear all of the things going on. And there, Jim Jones, he, he was a very uh, good orator. He, he could speak very charismatically. Uh, someone who was able to uh, to get people under his spell, it almost seemed. He was there telling them, "This is a this is uh, the best thing." He said something along the lines of, "Of to uh, for us to die right now is a million times better than to live ten more days." And he said those kind of things. And then you had people that uh, would come up, and they they all called him dad. And they'd come up and talk about how dad done this for me and, and dad done that for me while they were killing themselves one after the other. <clears throat> that is deception to a degree that we have never seen. That was the greatest loss of life in a single day that the United States, of United States civilians, had ever seen up till September the 11th, 2001. <clears throat> Which brings me to another. There what you had is 19 young men who hijacked some airplanes and flew them into the Twin Towers in the Pentagon and up here in Pennsylvania. Again, deceived. They believed. Those young men believed that when they crashed those planes into those buildings or into the mountain or wherever, when they took their life, they believed that they were going straight to glory, to paradise, and they would have 72 beautiful virgins waiting for them. That's what those young men thought. That's what they believed. We can easily tell they were deceived. But how do we know whether we are deceived? How do we know? We can look and see that Jim Jones and his group were deceived. We can look at the Muslims and those people and we can easily see they're deceived. But how do we know that we are not deceived? So I'd like to look at... Some of the ways, maybe, that we can know. But I'd like to, first of all, look at some of the words of Christ from Scripture 
of what we are told as Christians that we ought to do. So um, I'm going to just uh, read a few verses here. You don't need to turn there. I'll give you the, uh, the passages in Mark chapter 13, verse 5 is the first one. I'd just like to um, make it crystal clear that we are told to take heed that we be not deceived. And I would like to just ask a question, and you don't need to answer this question this morning, but I'd like to ask you this question this morning. What are you doing to take heed that you are not deceived? What in your life are you doing to make this practical in your life, to make sure that you are not deceived. Mark chapter 13, verse 5, it says, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Luke chapter 21, verse 8, it says, And he said, Take heed, that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. We'll probably look at a little bit more closely at those scriptures later. But there it's clearly Jesus is telling them that they should take heed that they don't get deceived or that they don't be not deceived. I'd like for just to... to uh, for, for you, if you have the slightest question, and I don't suppose you do, but in case you do, you think, well, maybe it was more deceptive back then. Well, in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So if you in your mind are thinking, well, Back then, they had some very deceptive times. You had the Jews and you had the pagans and you had all of these other people. Well, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's going to get worse. And it has gotten worse. And we, beloved, are in a time that I believe is the worst time in history. I don't know whether that's true or not. And don't take that and don't get deceived by that one. But I believe that it's possible that this could be the most deceptive time ever in history. Let me give you some reasons for it. The devil has more means of deceiving people than he's ever had, I believe. Think about all of the different mediums that he can use. He can use the Internet. He can use a newspaper or print. He can use people like he always has. But he has ways of doing it that he has never had in the past. And he's using them. He is using them today. <clears throat> what have we been doing to take heed? That's a King James Version term. Take heed that ye be not deceived. Some other versions would say watch out or be careful that you be not deceived. Watch out that you be not deceived or be careful that you be not deceived. Some time back, thinking of what we can do, how we can know that we are not deceived, some time back, I 
uh, know of a couple of men that were, were talking about cancer. And they were talking about statistics of cancer. And one said something about, you know, this statistic about cancer. And another said something that disagreed with that statistic. Well, lo and behold, as they checked this out, they found they were getting their statistics from the very same source. They were coming from the very same source. I believe that happens all of the time in Christianity. They go to the very same source, this right here, the Bible, and they come out with different statistics. They come out with different conclusions. So what do we do about it? You know, we first we would probably say, well, yes, this has to be a basis for us to know whether we are in the truth or not. The word of God has to be. But how how do we know that we are the ones coming out with the right conclusion from this scripture? I'm raising more questions at this point than answers, um, but. Maybe as time goes on, I'll, uh, I'll get to a few more answers. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'll read a bit more of that passage. I uh, already uh, read verse 13, but I'd like to just look at a few more of the verses there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and start reading in verse 10. <clears throat> But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There's a lot said in those verses. But I believe it is true that seducers have waxed worse and worse. I don't know whether how long this world will still stand and whether they will even get worse yet. But, and I'll get ahead of myself if I go on with that thought. So, um, I'd like to give you two foundational principles um, to think about and to maybe a lens for you to look through as we go through the rest of this message, I'd like to tell you that all deception 
stems from the devil. Now, by that I mean, don't mean to say that, okay, if you have been deceived or if you are deceived that you're of the devil. No, I don't mean that. But let's look at a couple of scriptures to explain what I mean by that. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. And in Revelations chapter 20, verse 7, and when the thousand, well, let me just uh, skip on down to verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. So there, it uh, clearly says that the devil that deceived them is uh, the one there. And then, of course, uh, what I read there in, in uh, John chapter 8. Uh, he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar and the father of it. Now, the other principle that I'd like to give you is that truth comes from God. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 has this to say. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Isn't that interesting? God that cannot lie Promised before the world began. And in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. That by two immutable things. In which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge. To lay hold upon the hope set before us. God that cannot lie, it says in Titus chapter 1-2, and in Hebrews chapter 6, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Both saying the very same thing. So, we can be assured from that, that a lie is never from God. Deception is not from God. It's from the devil. It's from the enemy. I'd like to give you a few examples in just real life, in everyday life uh, that I have witnessed. And I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen some, some forms of this as well. If you think about the email scams that are out there, think about, and most of us any, anymore have some type of email, one way of getting deceived again. These scams that I have seen, the Nigerian scams, you've probably seen it. You know, this uh, rich widow is writing to say that uh, her husband passed away and she's just wanting to, to give you these millions of dollars. I mean, imagine, why would she just choose you out of the, of the, the blank? 
But there must be enough people that fall for these type of things to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. The phone scams, and you've probably gotten some of those. You know, people uh, uh, call you and, and you know, they, they try to get you to fall for their scam. Craigslist. If any of you have uh, done much searching on Craigslist, you've probably seen scams there. I uh, recently, I say recently, not so long ago, I had a brother call me. He was looking for a pickup. And he found one. There was one advertised, a little Toyota. Just what he needed for a really good price. And so he he called and and they uh, they return his call and say, well, yeah, we have it down here in Delaware. It's on the uh, Dover Air Force Base, all crated up. He said, well, I'll just come down and get it. I'm not that far. Oh, no, there's no way. It's in a area. You can't get it. And they go on and on and tell him, you know, it has to be shipped to you. You send us the money and we'll uh, we'll have it shipped to you. He was about ready because this was a really good deal. I mean, this was a, an exceptional deal. So why let why pass it up? But his wife said, why don't you call Simon first? I. Uh, he uh, started telling me about what he was seeing, and I I started telling him some other aspects of the ad that he hadn't even told me about. Because I've seen so many of these. I said, it probably has some yellow email address across the picture, doesn't it? Yeah, how'd you know? Because I've seen those things. You can tell them. And they're not always that way, but many times you see that. And I told him a few other things until he was convinced that that probably wasn't a good idea to send any money to those people. I uh, Years ago in Tennessee... There was a young man there who decided to sell his pickup on Craigslist. And he got this guy who was interested and said he would send him a money order. A money order for the pickup along with a lot of extra money so he could ship it to him. He was out of the country or wherever he was, I don't remember exactly. But anyhow, so he agreed. He took this money order to the bank. And the teller looked at the money order and she started laughing. She said, do you want me to put it in the trash or do, or, or do you want to do it? She, she looked at it and could tell that it was not real. To him, it looked like, you know, he had some money there. I say those things just to talk a little bit about the natural and, and the type of world that we live in. We live in a world where many, many people are out to get you. Out to make a dollar for nothing without working for it. I am not so concerned, although I think it's good for us to have our eyes open on those type of things as well. But those things, all you're going to lose is some money. What I'm more concerned about is when we get deceived spiritually. 
When we are deceived by things that make a difference in our eternal life, that is much more uh, important to me this morning than that. I'd like to look at some causes of deception. If you'd like to turn your Bible to Obadiah chapter 1. There are many causes of deception, and I, I know that I will not be able this morning in the time that I have to get anywhere close to telling you all of the causes. I'd like to hit some big ones uh, for you to think about. <clears throat> Pride is my first one here. Number one, pride is a cause of deception. <clears throat> Obadiah chapter 1 verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord. And an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Verse 3, The pride of thine heart hath Deceive thee. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. I believe that is something that God could say to many. He could say it to me. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Have you ever seen these people that are so self-confident? They are so sure of themselves. They know who they are. They know where they're going. They know what they want in life. But they're deceived. Because they're so self-confident, they think they've got it all together. They will not take advice. They won't. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he... Can anyone complete the verse for me? That's right. He deceiveth himself. If you or if I think I'm something when I'm nothing, all I'm doing is deceiving myself. And all you're doing. Verse 4, he says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And then he says this word again. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh 
shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So again, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let us not be deceived. God is not mocked. What we sow is what we're going to reap. We can't say that, you know, life is just giving me lemons. I just, uh, I have all these bad things happening to me. Yes, it's true that some people have some bad things happening to them. They have things that we would never choose. But what do you do about it? What do we do with what is given to us? And of course, I believe what he's saying there as far as sowing there is, if we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. That's very clear what he's saying there. Another place in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where he says the very same words or some talks about a man deceiving himself. It says there, verse uh, 18 of chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. So, uh, if you think you're something when you're nothing, if you lift yourself up in pride... You are preparing yourself for a fall. To him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Number two, and I will spend most of my time on this this morning, is cause for deception is deceivers. And I will go along with that and say, other, quote, at least, Christians are probably what is going to be our greatest detriment, is the, is the greatest possibility, shall I say, for you and I to be deceived by, is other Christians, people who name the name of Christ, who believe in the Bible, who believe in God, who believe in heaven and hell, I believe we are more likely to be deceived by those type of people than we are by the Muslims. I believe we're more likely to be deceived by, by them than we are atheists. Because, let me say it this way, have you ever looked on a bag or on rat poison to see how much poison is in that good food. It is way less than 1%. It is way less than 1%. If you would go and and feed 100% poison, set it out there for a rat, they wouldn't touch it. They wouldn't get close to it. But you mix it with lots of good food. And they'll go for it. That's exactly what the devil is doing to us. He is taking lots of good food and he's mixing 
a little poison. I believe that we live in a country, we live in a society where, the, where being a Christian is well thought of. I mean, even the politicians, they go out and brag about it. They go out and tell people about how good a Christian they are. So it's not something that is, is ill thought of for someone to name the name of Christ today. But do we have a lot of true Christianity do we have a lot that don't have some poison mixed in with it? That's what I'm concerned about, brothers and sisters, here this morning, is that we have a lot of Christianity today that has poison mixed with it, that has heresy, shall I say, mixed with it. And who are we to say that we are not going to get deceived by it? How are we going to keep from being deceived? <clears throat> Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 24, and I'll start reading in verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. If you want to skip on down to verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. They are going to show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. That's how deceptive he's telling us that the time is going to get. I believe we are in such a time as that now. I, uh, that made me think as I was reading that of a, uh, a time back in 2011, we were over in New York City. Uh, some of us had gone from Living Hope there to uh, minister in the subway. And while we were there in the subway, there were some other people ministering as well. And they were passing out their literature. And so I looked at it, and here, it was from this, uh, what was his name, camping from out in Arizona, who had forecast that this very year, in 2011, in May of that year, in fact, he had said, you're going to see the end of the world. And then he, he kind of uh, changed it a bit and said, well, it's not going to, that's going to be like the spiritual end of the world, but in October is when it's going to be all over. And that's what this, there was an older man. He was there passing it out very uh, religiously, I guess you could say. He was there doing it with a fervor. He was there trying to make sure that he was warning all of these people that the end of the world is this year. Change. Turn to, I don't know whether he was saying turn to God or what he was saying, but he was giving this literature, which was false. I talked to him and I asked him this question. I said, what are you going to say if that date passes and it doesn't happen. 
Oh, it's not going to be that way. It's going to happen. He wouldn't answer that question. It's, I mean, he was convinced it's going to happen. But it didn't. That's what he's saying here. Take heed that no man deceive you. There were many that were deceived. How many of you have heard of Peter Popoff? A few. I'd like to tell you a little about him. Peter Popoff, back in, uh, I don't know whether it was uh, back in the 80s, uh, maybe in 86, I think. He was at at the peak of his uh, ministry, probably. He was one of these television evangelists. He was one that was doing all kinds of healing services. And it was amazing what this man could do. He would go in and he would pick out by name someone that was sitting there in the audience. And he would say, come forward, you have this. And he would name their medical condition or or whatever was wrong with them. He would tell them what address they lived in at. And the people were saying, what an amazing prophet we have in our midst. But there was a man by the name of James Randy who... Didn't believe this was true. He didn't believe that this man was really a prophet. So he went in there. He sat in his service with a scanner. And he picked up what was going on. Peter Popoff's wife, when these people would come into these services, would be there filling out prayer cards. And taking down information. And then she would hide in an area where no one could see her. And she would, but she would still be able to see the, the congregation. And Peter Popoff had a little earpiece. Nobody was seeing. But she was communicating with him. And telling him exactly who he should call out. And what their name was. And what their condition was. It was all caught and recorded and exposed to national audiences. And Peter Popoff, I believe, filed bankruptcy that year because of it. Today, he's back at it. If you have access, you can do a Google search and you can find peterpopoff.org, I believe. And he's now, I believe he's still, uh, maybe today, he's still sending this miracle spring water that you just send your donations and it'll heal you or whatever. And he's got all kinds of gimmicks like this. A man who deceived so many and you know, there were thousands of people who were flocking and believing this lie. And when it was exposed, of course, the money dried up. That's why he had to file bankruptcy. But today he's at it again. The very same man. That's why I'm telling you. It is amazing how gullible people really are. Again, we probably won't fall for Peter Popoff or his ministry. But I wonder, 
I wonder if there aren't others, evangelicals, that we read their books. We go to their seminars. We hear their messages. And if we're not careful, you know, we, we might have the, the mindset of I can chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Well, I believe that more people get hurt by the bones than realize it. I believe that we are not quite as able to, to uh, spit out bones as we think we are sometimes. I believe it would be much better for us to make sure that we're getting meat without bones. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." Isn't it interesting? In verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. Do you think these people were just making it up? Do you think these people were coming before Christ there and just making it up and saying, didn't we do all of these things for you, Lord? Lord, didn't we do this? And Lord, didn't we do that? And Lord, we were good Christians. We went to Sunday every Sunday morning, uh, to church every Sunday morning. We were there even on Wednesday nights. We were there. We read our Bible. We, we listened to good messages. And he will say, I never knew you. They were deceived. That's what that is saying to me. They actually thought they were doing what was right. Now, I doubt with Peter Popoff that that will be the case. I would imagine he's going to come there before the throne of God totally guilty, knowing full well. Surely he can't delude himself so badly to think that, I mean, here he knows he's deceiving people. But I believe there are many today that are that deluded, that believe that what they're doing is right. They firmly believe it. And yet, they're going to hear those words, I never knew you. Luke, 
chapter 4, verse 1. And while you're turning there, um, let me just let your mind ponder a bit about the wise and foolish virgins. Think about it. You have the, the wise and foolish virgins. They were all virgins, right? They all had lamps, right? Yes, they all looked the same, didn't they? They were all going to the marriage. They all believed they were at least. But five made it in and five didn't. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered, and the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. I'd like to take the special notice of two things in this passage. First of all, how... The devil came to Christ. He said there in in verse 3, If thou be the Son of God. Now, do you think for a moment this morning that the devil didn't know that he was the Son of God? He knew it. He knew for sure that Jesus was the Son of God. But he came planting a question. Planting a question. If you are, if you really are the Son of God, doesn't he do that to you and I? Doesn't he come to you and say, if you really were a Christian, you wouldn't do this. Or if you really are a Christian, do this. He comes the same way to us, I believe. If you are. He knows we are. He knows if we are. But he plants a question. If he can can put doubts in our minds, he's already got the first step. And then I'd like to look at one other thing in this passage that Satan does in verse 10. Can you believe it? Satan quoting Scripture. Satan here is quoting Scripture. He's still doing it today. He hasn't stopped. He's still quoting Scripture. If it helps him to deceive someone... He doesn't mind quoting more scripture than you can. Uh, I'll, 
I started to say shake a stick at. I, I don't know whether that's a, a word, a way to uh, form a speech around here or not. But uh, he he doesn't mind quoting all kinds of scripture if he knows that it will uh, deceive you. I don't know what your occupations are for the most part here. But let me ask you a question. If you are a farmer, would you go down the street and you see this farm that is, the guy is having a real difficulty growing any crops of any, any uh, measure. His cows look skinny as rails and you just... You decide, well, I want to farm too. And so you go and you ask him advice. How, how do you farm? Probably not. You would probably go down the road and you'd look for a good, if you're wanting to get into a dairy, you'd go down the road and you'd look for a, a farm that, that looks where the, the person is doing outstanding in what he's doing. He's got nice cows and, and you hear that his milk production is way up there. And you look at his crops and you say, wow. That's what I'd like to do. And so you ask him how he does it. You sisters, would you buy a cookbook from a lady that couldn't cook a good meal? Would you want a cookbook from somebody that, yeah, they can really make some good flowery speeches and they can sound very good about all the wonders of cooking, but when it comes down to it, You've never had a decent meal at that house. It's always, I mean, something. And of course, I mean, I'm just making up a, a story here. But um, what I'm saying is you want to buy a cookbook from somebody that knows how to cook, don't you? That knows that, I mean, you want to know that somehow or another, this cookbook has some recipes that are going to make some decent meals out of. We could go on and on. I mean, you wouldn't take lessons from a mechanic that the cars come out of his shop in worse condition than they were when they went in. You just wouldn't do it. Why would we take lessons from people whose lives don't match up to the Scriptures? Why would we do that? Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame. Who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby. He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Many walk. Of whom I have told you often. And now tell you even weeping. He's telling about their walk, isn't he? Yeah, their talk might sound pretty good. 
but their walk. What's it like? I think it should be important to us to know what their walk is like. Look at what uh, Paul says to the Galatians. Who hath bewitched you? That's what he says. Who hath bewitched you? He, he says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. That's the kind of messages that Paul sent to people who were believing people that they shouldn't have. What would he say to us today? Today, as I said, we have more means and ways of being deceived than probably at any time in history. What are we doing to keep from being deceived? So I'd like to uh, turn yet to a few scriptures to see what we can do to take heed. What can we do to take heed? In John chapter 14, verse 5, I've already uh, read or quoted this one, uh, but I'll just read it. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So number one, I believe that we must establish that God is truth. And we have to go back to the source of that. We have to go back to God. Am I, is this off? Okay. Um, we have to go to the source of truth. You know, if you want to, uh, to know what a property line is like, you don't just go and, and decide, okay, let's see, I know this is part of the property, so, uh, the deed says 100 feet this way and 100 feet that way. And so you just start somewhere in the middle of the property and hope that you're going to come out right. No, what you're going to do is you're going to go to the corner. You're going to know which corner you're at. And then you start measuring from there. You have to have a foundation to work from. And beloved brothers and sisters, God is that foundation. He's one of the, the pillars, shall I say, of that foundation. That we, that we build from. I would say number two, the word of God in John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. He says in verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar, the scripture says. Okay, number three. The Spirit of God is truth. First John chapter 5, verse 6. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because 
the spirit is truth. And number four, I'd like to have the four corners of this uh, property, so to speak, the church of God. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. In some translation it says, a pillar and foundation of the truth. The church of God, the the living organism, the living uh, church of God is a pillar of truth. And I believe it is a, a very foundational one that we must not get away from. It is so easy for us in our day to become independent and say, well, I've got the word of God. This is what it says to me. But I believe that it is very essential that we are committed and submitted in a body of Christ, a believing church who is is believing the Word of God, is believing God, and is doing what God asks. And in that context, you have much less of a chance of being deceived. Four, four foundations, four principles to... Help us to keep from being deceived. I'd like to, to uh, well, if you'd like, you can turn your Bibles, but I'll, I'll read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's a few verses there I'd like to read, but there's one especially that I'd like you to take notice of this morning. And it deals with the church. It uh, specifically talks about what the church does. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. This goes back to what I was sharing earlier. And I should just say this again. I don't know that you are uh, listening to to people that that can't, uh, so to speak, grow crops and and cook meals. I don't know that you are. Uh, I do know that it is a danger for us in our day. But here, Paul admonishes the Thessalonians to know them which are over you and admonish you. Do you know the people that are admonishing you? Whether it is in CDs, whether it is in books, whether it is some other way, seminars or whatever, do you know them? Do you know what kind of people they are? And again, I would say this, I don't think that we necessarily have to read a biography of someone in order to know whether we can read their books or not. 
Uh, we don't have to, you know, many have passed on already, and so it's not possible to know their life, so to speak, other than by biographies or something. But I believe that it is important that we recognize that we should get our information, we should get what we believe from true people of God. We should listen to music that comes from those sources as well, I believe. So how do we keep from being deceived? We go to the source of truth. We know them which labor among us. We don't believe every spirit. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. What I'm trying to say here this morning is make sure of who those counselors are. And then, yes, in that multitude, there is safety. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6, it says something very similar. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. And then in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he says this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. We must be humble enough to recognize that God makes his will known to us through other people. I'd like to, uh, for you to think with me for a moment this morning. You know, we can think of people in the, uh, in the New Testament that we probably admire. One of those, for me, is the Apostle Paul. Think with me for a moment. He was on his way to Damascus. And there on the way, he is struck down and a bright light shines. And he, he says, uh, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then he goes on and he says, you go on down and it will be told you what you must do. Now, we know that God was speaking directly to Paul there, Saul at that time. He was talking directly to him. But imagine this. He picks Ananias, a man who we don't know anything about before or after that. But he says, it will be told you what you should do. Not some direct revelation from God. Not go read your Bible. Not the Holy Spirit will tell you. Somebody's going to tell you what you should do. Somebody's going to come and tell you what you must do. I believe that God still works that way today. I want you to think of another instance that happened with the Apostle Paul some years later. When the issue of, of uh, keeping the law and circumcision came up, he went all the way to Jerusalem to confer with the church there. Now, it wasn't like us where he could hop on the next plane that was going to Jerusalem. He couldn't catch the next bus or train either. Or he couldn't get, a, get uh, in a car and go. He walked and he took days to do this. But Paul 
Didn't just say, okay, I'm going to get some direct revelation. I want to see what the Bible says about this and, and then we're going to go for it. No. He conferred with others. I believe it's a valid and, and, and a vital point that we must recognize that God makes His truth known through His church. Philip, down in Samaria. And God is working mightily through him, doing wonders. People are coming to Christ, but they don't receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Why didn't God just say, okay, Philip, you do this, or, or Philip goes through some motions and, and it all happens? But no, the apostles went down. Time and again you see that through scriptures. That God uses other people to do His will. To show what His will is. Well, I'd like to... I don't know how long you're uh, used to being here, but uh, I think I'm probably going over here. Um, I'd like to give you a few other, just in closing, other means and methods that are, uh, that I, as I thought about this, are ways that people get deceived. And I have lots of scriptures that go along with it, but I'm not going to turn there this morning. But you can think about it yourself. <clears throat> Sin. Sin is a very deceptive thing. If you allow sin in your life, you're opening the door to deception. That's what you're doing. Trickery. I've already mentioned some of the the ways that trickery is used uh, to deceive people. But you can see it in Scripture as well. Flattery. Flattery is a method that is used time and again to deceive people. It's very, it's very effective in deceiving people because it again builds on that pride and people will be deceived. Wealth or abundance is another that I believe has deceived many people or because of it, many people have been deceived. If you think about Sodom, says, what was her sin? Fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, fullness of bread, and uh, not giving her meat to the hungry or however it says there. Um, so I believe those are all, all ways, and, and I, I'm sure there are many, many more, of ways that Satan uses to deceive us. My question again to you this morning is this. What are you doing to take heed, that you be not deceived. It's crystal clear from Scripture that we are admonished to take heed. It's crystal clear that we are told to not be deceived. It is clear that deception will get worse. So we can believe that we are in a time like that. May we, by God's grace, take seriously how deceivable we are. You know, it's, it's easy for us to think, yeah, I know those people, they are so gullible. But we don't recognize that maybe we are too. 
it's so easy for us to come to that. May we recognize that we have been deceived and very well could be today. But if we go to the source for truth, we will be true. God bless you.